Welcome in everybody to a fresh episode of the Not Another Bucking Podcast. My name is Nick Cosmetter, your host, beat writer at The Athletic, covering the Broncos. And uh, we're going to get to a conversation here in just a second with uh, Nate Kreckman, uh, afternoon radio host at Altitude 92.5, the Kreckman and Lindahl show. Um, just great conversation with Nate about uh, where the Broncos are at, uh, winning four straight games to get to five and five. Uh, we'll talk about the Kareem Jackson suspension of four games that was upheld um, you know, by the NFL today, um, as well as what to expect from this game. Uh, against the Browns, uh, but but first we'll just kind of scoot through through the news of the week. The, the Broncos again won Sunday night, beat the Vikings twenty-one to twenty to win their fourth straight game, and as I mentioned, moved to five and five. They're one game out of the uh, seventh, sixth, and seventh wild card wild card spot in the AFC, and they play AFC playoff contenders each of the next two weeks. They host the Cleveland Browns, who are seven and three, on Sunday at Empower Field. And then they then go to Houston to face the Texans, who are six and four, entering Week 12. Um, so a huge stretch coming up for the Broncos will determine a lot about where they're at on the injury front. PJ Locke, the safety who would be in line to replace Kareem Jackson as a starter, um, dealing with an ankle injury. Sean Payton said Monday during his weekly uh, press post game uh, day after press conference that P.J. Locke is um, he's progressing, but didn't have really an update on whether he'll be available. He said, we'll kind of see how he progresses. So uh, it will be interesting to see whether he participates in practice uh, on Wednesday. Um, otherwise, outside of that, the Broncos are largely healthy, um, has been a big theme for them going into uh, throughout this season, particularly on the offensive line. Um, so they are in good shape. But again, that safety position, particularly against a, a really good Cleveland rushing attack, um, it is going to be something that we will keep an eye on throughout the week. Uh, with that, let's hop right into our conversation with Nate Crackman. And now we welcome in my good friend from Altitude uh, Sports Radio, Altitude Entertainment Empire, uh, Nate Crackman. Um, we are here to discuss the wild card matchup between the two seated Miami Dolphins and the seven seated Broncos rematching. Oh, dang! Sorry, I just I just had a fever dream for a second. Uh, Nate, I mean, uh, am I getting ahead of myself? Uh, it, it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. Okay, that it doesn't mean that. Keep the hope alive, all right? They've won four in a row. Hey, after the Packard game, I was the only guy in town that said, this is the start to 12-5, and five, and <laughs> I'm not wrong yet. Hey, man, um, if you've won five in a row, what's what's seven more, you know? Exactly. Yeah, what's they're rolling. The, well, and, and look, it, it beats the alternative that we've been banging our heads with. For, like, that's my thing, too. I've, I've, seen, I've seen some of this stuff, you know, where, where people are trying to, like, you know, you get commenters, they're, they're picking apart the, you know, oh, we're catching this team at the right time because of this, this team at the right time because of that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that can be true. You know, and then you have people lamenting like, well, we're going to look back. When we missed the playoffs and say we didn't, we didn't get any of these quarterbacks. I'm like, we've done all that for the last like seven years. Like, why not just kind of dive into it a little bit, you know? This it, this was a huge topic on our show yesterday, okay? And and this is where and and I have to admit, um, I'm not the most online dude. I I try to stay away generally from 
uh, Twitter and comment sections and, and everything else like that. I kind of try to keep zeroed in, get ready for my radio show, have w- prepared what I think, and then, you know, I'll yeah. start to get audience feedback. And, you know, my my co-host, Andy Lindahl, had sort of warned me about this yesterday because I, I always joke with him. He's very active on the Broncos' dark web, okay? He's, <laughs> he's very in tune to what is going on there. And we start our show yesterday, and my take is, this is amazing. This team has won four games in a row. They continue to somehow pull these games out. They're not playing great offense. They're not scoring a bunch of points, but they're taking care of the football, the win in the turnover margin. Like, this is phenomenal. This this is a Broncos team that sort of fought their way back into being in the NFL's middle class. And when you're in that spot right there, you can go to the playoffs, okay? You can win close games. You can win one-score games um, if you take care of the football and you win the turnover margin. And, and that's noisy, and it's not particularly sustainable, but you can go to the playoffs if you do that. And and a, largely, a lot of the response from, from our listeners um, on Crackman and Lindahl, and, and we were getting this you know, via text and Twitter and everything else like that, is just like, ah, it's not sustainable. That's ah, not real. Well, no kidding. I, <laughs> I know that. Okay, like this is why the Broncos win total was eight and a half coming into the season. This is why um, very few, if minimal amounts of outlets were picking this team to be able to go to the playoffs. They're not that good. We know that. This is a rebuilding team right now, but also they have found a way to be able to win. And every year, a a a suboptimal roster yeah. will put a run together yeah. and make the playoffs. It could so be the Broncos. So, so why exactly. not enjoy the one that is in your market, in your backyard? Because that's exactly right. I think other yeah. people are watching this team from around the league be like, oh, cool. The Broncos are kind of fun right now. Like they're they're doing stuff. They were one in five. Now they've battled all the way back to 500. Um, that's where I'm at with it too, Nate, is like um, – Look, they're they're yeah. It's it, forcing twelve turnovers in three games is not sustainable. Um, you know, get winning games on on last last drives, winning when you're two of twelve um, on third down or or zero of four in your first four red zone trips. Like, sure, that's not going to win win you most games, but they tend to come up with with some sort of different formula. And we never thought that we would be at Thanksgiving thinking that this team had a shot to make the playoffs. Um, and so like, to me, that is that it's refreshing in a way to, to actually be, I mean, the, the 2021 team had some of this. Um, but I, I, I think that they had also drew Locke playing quarterback once Teddy Bridgewater got hurt. And, yeah. and, and that was, that was the difference. You know, I've seen some of this stuff, some of the stuff that people have said a lot of lately is just like, this is reminding me of the, of the Tebow team. Um, I'm like, Tebow completed 45% of his passes. Like, well, it's something of a a backhanded compliment. I understand. To, to it is, and and there, there's. I will say this. I think there's a little bit of a hybrid between like the 2018 team got to six and six, oh, right, and yeah. then and then you know Nick Mullins and George Kittle destroyed them in San Francisco, and they were done. The 21 team, like you said, set they were at seven and six. Yeah. Um. And Bengals, and and that was fun for a minute, and then then the Bengals game happened. Um. And then they lost the last three. The the one thing that I will say of of the similarity to 2011 that this team has found is that that was a team that and th- this offense is better than that one. There's no doubt about that. And and Russ is better than Tim Tebow. 
but also like this is not a high-flying explosive offense. This is an offense that is generally really trying to play risk-averse football and not really do have any danger of turning the ball over. And as a result, you know, they're plus three against Minnesota the other night. They're plus 11 on the four-game win streak yeah. right now. And with the with the quality of defense that they're playing and the way that they're forcing turnovers, and again, I know that's a little noisy and not necessarily sustainable, but that's how you win a game where uh, th- you, you have um, fewer than 300 yards total offense. Like you mentioned, 2 of 12 on third down, one touchdown in five red zone trips, yeah. but you win the turnover margin and you can beat a team that is has a better roster than you. And I would argue that the last three weeks, Kansas City, Buffalo, and Minnesota, the Broncos beat teams that have a better roster than they do. But you can do that in the NFL because the talent disparity is not that great and turnover margin is freaking everything. Yeah, it is. And and I think it's, you know, it just, it was such a shift for me, Nate, like after that, after that week six Kansas City game, um, and really even in that game, they had sort of played the, the super kind of conservative card, but you know, Wilson still turned the ball over, you know, three times. And mm-hmm. it, I, it was after that where you started hearing it like so vocally from Sean Payton, where it was, it was, it was like, I can't express to you guys enough how, how much we are playing to not turn the ball over. And, right. and you think of it as like, well, then you're not really going to be doing a whole lot offensively, but to your point, you really don't have to. And especially when you have, you know, a return guy like Marvin Mims, who's giving you field position because they, they're so much better on special teams than they were um, really the past five, six years, pick your number. Um, and the fact that the defense is, is turning the ball over and, and uh, the, them turning the ball over is a product of them knowing where the ball is at a, yep. at a different rate than they did early in the year. Um, you know, I, I wrote today that I think like, there still is going to have to be an evolution of this offense because at some point the the faucet of turnovers is going to get turned off. Like teams are going to look at the Broncos taking the ball away at every turn, and they're going to kind of they're going to sort of play it the same way Denver's playing it now. It's like guys, we can beat these guys as long as we don't turn the ball over. We're comfortable punting, all these sorts of things. Um, Cleveland's yeah. such an interesting matchup for that very reason. Yeah, a hundred percent, and especially them with with this rookie quarterback. Like they're they're going to lean into that even further, although they, they have, they have actually turned the ball over a fair amount this year. Um, but, uh, that, that's the way that those other teams are going to play. But the one thing I would say is like, I think that Peyton, like he talks so much about the quarter pole and, and like understanding your team and and where it was at. And I've started to like, kind of lean toward giving him the benefit of the the doubt in terms of like, well, if they're not going to be able to just win it on the turnovers, which is primarily how they've won these four games. Mm -hmm. That, that they'll come up with with something else and, and and adjust in a way that makes sense for them just because we 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 saw such a dramatic turnaround from him already. Yeah, it, it's you know, and really, like if you look at the game plan against Minnesota, it's not the same that it was in in the Buffalo game really at all. the The run pass ratio was at fifteen to thirty five because of Brian Flores and you know his. And in, in, in all of that eye candy that he's using defensively at the line of scrimmage, um, and whether he's blitzing or 
He's, you know, rushing three and dropping eight, whatever it is, rushing four, dropping seven, which it was interesting to hear Collinsworth talk the other night about how that had been really ineffective for them in that game. So that game, it was it was all swing passes. It was it was heavy on the screen game and the swing pass stuff. And it wasn't particularly effective. Right. And they they couldn't convert on third downs. And when they did have to get vertical, they weren't able to have much success doing all of that. But again, because of quality field position, you only need a couple of first downs and boom, you're in Will Lutz range and you can kick a field goal. And, you know, even when this team forces a turnover on the opening drive and they take over or they the, the Vikings 34 or whatever it is, yeah. you know, they don't do anything on that drive, but they go away with three points. It's the old Peyton Manning quote of, you know, you don't go break, make, uh, you don't go broke making a profit. That's, that's the way that Sean Payton is approaching this thing right now. And, it it's working like they've won four games in a row like that. And there's no reason that they can't be in every single game that they play the rest of the way playing this kind of football. And Russell Wilson has proven to be a good fourth quarter quarterback. Yeah, no. And that, and that, that, that part hasn't, hasn't changed. You know, you, you even saw it as terrible as 2022 was. And I remember that, you know, the game against the 49ers when he, you know, um, he, he puts together a late drive and, and had a flip to Melvin Gordon for a big gain, similar to the way that he's been flipping to Samaj P. Ryan, um, who eventually teams you would think would start defending, but um, he had 47 you know, so total yards on that final drive, 47 total yards. And yeah. I was saying this today to somebody, um, you know, obviously we, we talked about Cortland Sutton's 15 yard touchdown catch. It was, it was awesome. It was phenomenal. Just, it's such a cool play, a kind of, if they make the playoffs, that'll be one of those those plays that in the Buffalo catch, um, the Kansas City catch, even though they lost that game. Um, but but that seven yard run by Samaj P. Ryan on on third and ten, um, you know, I, I think the the Broncos were going to probably go for it on fourth down, almost regardless of where they were at. Yeah. Now fourth and ten, though, like that that might have been a different decision. They hand it off. He picks up seven, close to eight yards. And then you're in a much more manageable fourth down, fourth down spot. But yeah, he's he's been excellent. And and they, you know, they just they just have a formula now that they kind of know what they can depend on. And and you know, some of the thing watching back that last drive is like Russell Wilson, it, it wasn't just like he was settling for for Samaje as like a my last resort. He was very quick and decisive in saying, like, I know what's gonna happen. Yeah, they're gonna throw the pressure. I don't see anybody tagging him. He's going to leak out. I'm going to I'm going to do it quick, and he's going to have more space to run. So like, but yeah, the combination of of Sean Payton and, and Russell Wilson, he didn't forget how to do this two minute thing. Like as right. bad as last year was, he didn't forget how to do this. Um, and and so that that's that's what at the very least um, makes it exciting. Uh, but Nate, that the other big story, obviously in, in Broncos land, the thing that they're going to have to really um, reconcile now is a four game absence from from Kareem Jackson, um, who, whose, whose suspension by the NFL was upheld after a review by Derek Brooks, the, uh, jointly appointed hearing officer by the league and the, and the PA, um, you know, they said, yep, we, we cut your suspension in half last time. No, oh, nice. leeway, no leeway this time. So he'll, he'll end up serving six games worth of suspension. What, what was your biggest, um, I wasn't able to catch you and Andy today, Nate, what was your biggest kind of takeaway on all this? Well, <laughs> Here's the thing I need you to do, okay? This is where I rely on you, the professional journalist, is <laughs> will you do the math for me and figure out if he, what, is he going to make any money this year? Between yeah. 
between fines and suspensions. And I, I you know, he was, I, I think spot track said he was due like 2.5 million or something yep. like that. What, what's he actually going to end up making? The math right now is that it, but between his fines and lost wages, he's going to be at around 950 K uh, of lost wages and fines and out, out, of, out of that, out of that 2.5, which you said. So it's like, I think it's 36% of his, of his oh. salary for the year is gone. Um, so Ooh. yeah, yeah, that, that stings, that stings. Um, you know, especially when, when you're talking about a guy who, you know, has played as long as he's played and like, he's had to scrape and claw these last, however many years for these, you know, it, it's, it's like the defensive version of a running back. Like, I mean, Kareem Jackson's made a lot of money in this league. I think, I think over $30 million, um, well over $30 million. Um, you know, and, and he, of course he went on his, on his Twitter binge after the first suspension when somebody's talking about his money he said, I, you know, money's never anything I'll, I'll ever have to worry about, but you know, that's anybody losing a mill. Uh, I don't care how much money you make that, that stings. Yeah. I, look, it, it, why well, did the Sean Payton thing? I said, look, sorry about that. Here's now the thing though. Mel- relative to relative uh, to. Yeah. Listen, yeah. <laughs> All right. With on Kareem Jackson, and I, I'm not here to litigate the legality of of his hit. Okay, I that part of it I don't care about. All right, and 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 I'm not some football bleeding heart out there. That's all oh, we got to take the big hits out of the game. Like, no, you you signed up to play football. You are you are risking life and limb every single time that you walk out there. And in 2023, you know damn well what the risks are when you step out onto an NFL field, okay? You're not one of those players from the 80s and 90s that thought, oh, the helmet will protect me. I'll just go smash my head into everything. And and then we know what happens. We know what happened with the lawsuits. We know what happened with the fallout. We know what CTE is today. Like, all of that stuff, that's out the window. Your eyes are wide open. It's like... If you take up smoking in 2023, if you want to drive without a seatbelt in 2023, like, you know the risks, yeah. okay? There, there's no surprises that, that's coming your way. So so that part of it, I, I, I don't care about, you know, whether or not the sport should be violent or what is he supposed to do or anything else like that. The league has told him. They have told him. They have told the players, don't play like that. Okay, do not lead with the crown in your helmet. Get your head to the side, get your head up and wrap. All right. And sometimes you're going to get penalties or you're going to get fines and it's going to be on bang, bang plays. And, you know, the, the the pad level is going to change and it's going to change in a split second. And that's just how it goes. In the case of Kareem Jackson, this guy has has already suffered however many fines that he suffered this year was it Jacoby Myers and then Logan Thomas and then Luke Musgrave and now Josh Dobbs. Th- this, this is a pattern and the league's already suspended him once they've already fined him numerous times. They nail him on this thing. Again, you go back and look at that damn hit and crown of the helmet and his arms are, are in when he goes to make the hit. Like it's, it's almost as though the guy was putting on a display in a brochure for exactly not how to tackle somebody if you don't want to get fined and suspended, but he did it. 
I'm out of sympathy yeah. for Kareem no. Jackson. He's he's hurting himself. He's hurting this team uh, because of the way that he's choosing to play. And, yeah, and that's... And it's flat out bad for this team. Nick, the, the, their safety play with without Caden Stearns, who was already injured, you're already now you're without PJ Locke and you're losing Kareem Jackson. That's that's really, really bad for your secondary. That's not good for the team. No, it's 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 not. And and it's the thing that that I have found so stunning about all of this is that last Wednesday, uh, Wednesday or Thursday, it's, it was one of those two days, Kareem Jackson talked in the locker room for the first time since coming back from his suspension. And the guy said, I don't know how to play this game. He said, I don't know how to play this game now under these rules. He says, I've talked to John Runyon on the phone. I've had conversations with Derek Brooks on the phone and I hang up the phone, not knowing, not having any clarity like the man. And and he said, I'm going to be in these situations two to three times a game. And he, he essentially forecasted what was going to happen on Sunday. And so to me, part of this is also on the Broncos. Like they, they have a guy who, who has done this since the very beginning of the season and has shown no sort of like awareness of what's coming because he is absolutely like, I'm not getting into like the whole, to your point, like, like dirty player. It's, it's doesn't like matter. That's not, that's not a, a quantifiable. It's a, it's a label people throw around. Um, you know, whatever. I'm not assaging, you know, not assailing his character, none of that kind of stuff. But the bottom line is that he cost them dearly in the Raiders game. He cost them dearly in the commanders game. Like when, when, when that hit happened and then allowed Washington to get a two point conversion because of the penalty, it it took him out of the game to your point and, and put in depth that they just do not have at that position. Like, they probably lost that game in large part because he was ejected. And then, you know, he hits Musgrave, gives them, gives Green Bay life on a drive that might not have gone anywhere. Green Bay takes the lead in the fourth quarter. Obviously, the Broncos were able to come back, kick a Will Lutz field goal to win it. But, like, it's, it's, it's the bottom line is that he is constantly putting you in these situations where, where the team is hurt by it. Like, individual teammates have come to bat for him. And I, I understand it. I, I get it. And, but, but the, 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 overarching picture is that what he's bringing versus what like what he's putting at risk for the team to say nothing of the yeah the player safety element of it um is significant if i mean if they throw a flag the other night it wipes out a fumble right right wipes out a turnover it takes three points off the board while the final score is 21 20 you lose okay you you just you just cost your team and like we talked about before, this is a team that has such a slim margin right now. These kind of mistakes are killer. And to your point, any any corner that just gets called for P.I. constantly, hey, Damari Mathis doesn't really play anymore, okay? Right. O-linemen that fall start and hold constantly. Like, you're hurting your team. That's where he's at at this point. And good on Justin Simmons and Pat Sertan for, for sticking up for him, but neither of these guys have this problem. Right. Yeah. And so and like, Justin Simmons even shared a, a video where he was saying, I don't know if you saw this today, Nate, but he, he shared a video. He's like, I had a similar hit last year against the Ravens, but then you watch the video and they, they just simply don't look the same. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's Simmons with his shoulder and his head is like turned away from the ball carrier. And now maybe, maybe his helmet ended up contacting some of him, but he, you can see in the video that he leads with his shoulder, whereas right. 
I, I mean, it's just, I, I, we're overcomplicating it. Like it's he, like, he's leading with guys with his head, like the Logan Thomas hit, man, like that was, there was nothing that you can say about that because he launched himself at an upward angle directly toward this guy. That's like six foot five. Um, but there's so much other body to hit. And I, I would think that if, if you hit the guy in the chest where he's trying to catch the ball, that would probably be more effective for forget the safety of it probably be more effective tackle no he's he's giving the league a lot of footage for the how not to do it video that they can send to teams next year he's becoming the poster boy for it now at this point so yeah i'm i I just like i i can't defend it i can't i can't defend it i can't defend him you know it's this is what i said yesterday on my radio show okay you get you get a speeding ticket. Um, well, you got it because there was a speed limit sign that was posted. Okay. Now, if they don't post a sign, then there is no speeding. But like you've been fined and suspended. The sign is up. They've told you to stop doing this. And it really is a shame because he's he is a good player. Uh, he's a veteran player. He knows where he needs to be. He he's not going to fall for, you know, motions and eye candy and everything else like that. Like Vance Joseph needs this guy in the field and the secondary is the best part of this football team. Him not being out there makes the team worse. Yeah. And and I think that can kind of transition us, Nate, into the game against the Browns on Sunday. The the, the, the Broncos, I've, I've made this like reference a couple of times this week, but everything that you can now you say about the Broncos, a lot of times there's a conversation where you say, OK, well, let's let's throw out that 70 point game, right? Like let's, let's take that out of the equation and look at everything else. You can take out this, the Miami game and they are still the worst rush defense in the NFL. So like to me, um, safeties are a pretty big deal in, in the run game. And like the fact that he's out and PJ Locke, we don't know yet. We'll, we'll maybe have a better idea Wednesday. I, my just like early guess this week is that he's not going to be ready to play. If, if it's an ankle injury, like he was in a, he was in a walking boot after the bills game. That's always three to four weeks at, at a minimum. Um, so I, I would be hard pressed to think he's going to play. So now we're talking about Delaren Turner Yale, who has played really well for Denver on special teams, but not in a starting safety role um, or, or JL Skinner, who was up for the first time um, on Sunday but didn't, you know, all of his snaps came on, on special teams. He's, he's never played a defensive snap in the NFL. Um, so like, it's just not a, not a good deal that like, you're going to, you're going to have to play this team that runs the ball this way when you're already having problems stopping the run. Um, to me, as I watch this game, it's, it's that, and it's, it's Miles Garrett. Like, can they in any way, um, close the gap on what appears to be major, major mismatches on paper? Yeah, uh, Miles Garrett, I mean, is a game wrecker in and of himself. That you know, Cleveland, Dallas, the, these are these are the best defenses in the NFL. Chiefs belong in that conversation yeah. of these are absolutely the very best defenses in all of the NFL. Um and and so points are going to be at a premium in this game. We absolutely know that that is going to be the case. And yes, being able to stop the run against Kareem Hunt and company, it, it's going to be tough. It, it's going to be really tough when you don't have your full complement of good run stuffing players. And Kareem Jackson is 100% one of those players. Uh, and then you look at the flip side. And last week was a weird game for the for the Browns. They won 13-10. to 10. 
Uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson threw the ball 43 times in that game. 43 throws, which is nuts in a 13 to 10 game. But the next gen stats had it. I believe only two of those were 10 or more air yards down the field. I mean, this is as dink and dunk as it could possibly get. Yeah, it's it's a little Russell Wilson ish right there. And and in a lot of ways, these two teams are the Spider Man meme sort of looking at each other. Now, Cleveland's defense is better than Denver's defense, and Denver's defense has played really well of late, but like, Miles Garrett's having a defensive player of the year type of season. That guy's an absolute game wrecker right there. So yeah, th- this is a tough game. Now it's, it's good that Denver's at home. Uh, the Broncos have that going for themselves, but th- I fully assume this is another fourth quarter game. This will be another, th- this is going to get decided in the closing minutes. Um, it's going to be another one of those. And I would tell Broncos fans, you know, Houston coming up after that. That's what this season's going to be the the rest of the way. I don't, I don't see a bunch of two score wins left on the on the schedule anymore. But here's the good news: they're at least in these games right now, and and they're again they're giving us that entertaining brand of football. And Sean Payton is going to make the adjustments that he has to through the course of the season. So uh, this is going to be another tough one, and it's going to be like a twenty to. 18 something weird football game yeah yeah it's funny that the biggest win of the five games they've had from a point margin perspective is the 15 point win chiefs. against the chiefs you know like yeah who, who would have thought well, that's because the chiefs don't score points in the second half they refuse right yeah that that is a lucky thing to have as an opponent hey, to know real quick one more thought because you didn't listen to my radio show today i'll forgive you but i do want to recycle a take really quickly watching Watching both Justin Herbert's receivers on Sunday and watching the Chiefs last night, we're recording this on Tuesday, so on Monday night football and and the way that they played against the Eagles, the appreciation for Cortland Sutton and his ability to make both the tough catches and the easy catches, if the ball hits that guy in the hands, he's going to catch the damn ball. And that is not to be overlooked in its importance. Typically, NFL wide receivers, if you get 10 fingers on it, you should hang on to it. But that's not the case with the Chiefs and the Chargers. So some appreciation for Cortland Sutton. Yeah, no, 100%. Uh, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Like, I I think I was kind of stunned, like, to, to, to look it up. And I think, I think Cortland Sutton has 400 yards this year, but it yeah. seems like so much more than that. Um, you know, it, because it just seems like every play he makes is like absolutely vital to, yeah. to them winning. Like there's not, there's not, they some just don't, I, yeah. this was the first game in what the last five that Russ was over 200 yards. Like the, the, you know, the passing offense is cratered right. out. They just don't, they don't, this team doesn't move the ball a lot. they, they get good field position. They move into field goal range and they get three points. Yeah. Yeah. And you can settle for field goals if you're going to kick five of them, you know, yeah. <laughs> like it's like, oh, you don't sell for field goals. Well, what if, what if I just <laughs> won two a quarter? Is that good enough? Um, but I, I'm with you, Nate. Like, I, I think that would be like where I'd leave it is I'm really fascinated by the Miles Garrett thing because the Broncos have actually done like a decent job against the other teams like absolute stud right uh you know and like as with everything else take out Miami but um you know Max Crosby in week one he did end up with a sack on Russell Wilson but I thought they they largely neutralized him pretty well 
Um, you know, Chris Jones in the first game kind of wrecked shop a little yeah. bit. They they defended him much better uh, in the rematch. Um, and and Rashawn Gary with with the Packers was not a huge factor in that. Neil Hunter had what one the other night? Yeah, the one. Uh, yeah, yeah the, the early the early sack uh, on that on that opening drive after Denver had gotten the um, the the fumble recovery by uh, Jaquan McMillan, but. Um, uh, so yeah, the, how how they do it with with Miles Garrett? It's obviously going to be a committee type thing. Um, Mike uh, Mike McGlinchey. W- one of the things I was writing this week too is like these free agents that the Broncos had. You looked at the first four weeks; there was like no no contribution. Uh, Mike McGlinchey gave up five sacks in the first six weeks of the season, or w- was charged with with such by Pro Football Focus. Um, none since since then. None since week six. Um, mm-hmm. His pressure rate allowed has like plummeted. Um, Zach Allen had a pressure rate in the first four weeks of about 5%. It's up to 15%. Um, ever since then you can see it just sort of the eye test. And then, and then what P Ryan has been able to do, um, you know, I am at the point where I think it's probably time to start giving him Jalil McLaughlin's carries, um, at this point outside of some, some gadget stuff, because, um, I just think he's probably earned that role. But, um, so yeah, you, you have guys playing better. You have guys understanding, um, you know, what, what Peyton wants a, a little bit more, but yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be fascinated to see how they, how they handle the Garrett thing, because in your quest to not turn the ball over or not just have these like backbreaking plays, he's, he's the one guy that can kind of spin that on its head um, on, on Sunday afternoon. So. Yeah. Short field position is where DTR can kill you. By the way, speaking of Zach Allen, I had a moment where I was like, ooh, that guy's just suffered a severe back injury. And then he was okay. So whoever his massage therapist or yoga instructor is, two thumbs up for those people. They're good. I saw him in the locker room. I went up to him in the locker room after. I was like, so yeah, you just you just like bench your back in half. He's like, yeah, one of those. It's like, what's one of those scorpion hits, which I had never heard it described that way, but it was, was pretty, pretty funny. He's like, I'll be all right. Because <laughs> like, I'm with you, man. I was like, Oh, he just he just bent his back like an accordion, yeah. um, you know. Thanks to Alex Singleton, so uh, that, oh, I'd be in traction if they did that to me. So <laughs> the difference between me and pro athletes, yeah, yeah, no doubt that that the differences end there. We're we're in every other way the same. You and me, Nate, obviously. <laughs> um, my my friend, thanks for uh, thanks for joining us. Uh, ha- have a great Thanksgiving and, and and enjoy the game on Sunday. And we'll uh, we'll do this again soon. Oh, absolutely. A happy Thanksgiving to the entire Not Another Bucking audience and listeners and everybody else and producer Kaz and, of course, Nick, to, to you and your family. Thanks, man. Yeah, and be sure to listen to the um, Kreckman and Lindahl show on Altitude 92.5 every weekday afternoon. Thank you for, for listening to the latest episode of a Not Another Bucking podcast. We will be back breaking down Broncos and Browns on Sunday night. Until then, thanks for stopping by.